Closet Conversations. On this conversation, we are joined by uh, Apostle Julius Molloy, who's the president of the Christian Ministers of Southern Africa. Apostle Molloy, thank you very much for joining us and good evening. And good evening to the listeners. And uh, we are also joined by Dr. Zulu Matabo Zulu, who is a research scientist and a director of the independent Madisebo University uh, of Research Institute. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Zulu Matabo, for joining us this evening. Thank you for inviting me and also greetings to the to our guests and also the audience. Now, this evening, uh, we are talking A-teamers about uh, spirituality and when do we let uh, our children free to choose their own spiritual path. Please join in on this conversation. Let us know what you think the appropriate age is. And if you've had experiences, uh, your personal experience of children saying, no, I I don't want to adhere to the family religious beliefs. I've chosen my own path. How have you handled that? Or how has your family handled you coming out of their norm? These are experiences I think a lot of us face, and I think they're quite interesting experiences. You can call in to share uh, on 011-714-2006. You can also send us WhatsApps on 011-714-2006 or SMS 41391. I'm going to start off with you, Apostle uh, Julius Molloy. Should families dictate um, what religion their children follow from the Christian point of view? Uh, absolutely. Uh, the Bible says, train up a child in a way that he should go. When he's older, he will not depart from it. And it is from that premise that we, uh, the Christian belief takes it that a child is subject to the parent and their outlook in life, their culture, their socialization is 100% under the influence of the parent. So it's the parent's responsibility to shape the future of the child through their beliefs and culture. So according to Christian faith and the Bible verse that you have quoted, it is the parent's or guardian's responsibility to shape the thinking of a child. And from that scripture, that child will not depart from the ways that they've been taught. To you, Dr. Zulu Matab, uh, same question. Should parents, is it their responsibility, should they be choosing from an African point of view um, the, 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 the religious or spiritual path that a child takes? Uh, you know, uh, obviously uh, the African spirituality goes along with identity and is very critical to show the identity uh, to the children. Uh, but the teaching in terms of spirituality should not be prescri- prescriptive, uh, but rather should should be more, you know, modeling, showing. You know, uh, it's, uh, when I was growing up, they used to have this uh, sort of expression that says that, Muruti Utsuala Molora, meaning that a lot of uh, pastors' children, they actually don't become pastors. And, and, and I think part of the problem had to do with the prescription, you know, and there are many other factors, of course, and I think one of the factors is the absence of of the pastor, of the father pastor in the life of children, because, you know, they're always going out, working on church stuff, and they're not there most of the time. And so children end up developing this, 
you know, this resentment towards that. So I think uh, we should basically not be prescriptive, but uh, we should, uh, you know, demonstrate through our examples, our behavior. And we should also uh, look at certain things. We African uh, spirituality, we also have things like, you know, we would offer a goat, let's say, to the ancestors. So it's very critical that, you know, uh, you don't show the children the blood, for example, because that, that really traumatizes them, for example. So, um, yes, you must teach them is very key, but your teaching should be more along uh, modeling, you know, and, 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 and emphasizing the moral code as opposed to, let's say, being a dictator to, towards the children. All right. So in other words, from the African spirituality point of view, you protect the child, you do what needs to be done, but you don't dictate. So now there's two opposing things here. From Apostle Molloy, um, the, the parents have that responsibility. They should ensure this. Whereas from the African spirituality, it is not uh, necessarily that you in, superimpose um, African spirituality on your children, but you do what's necessary for them spiritually and allow them to be. A team is, I'm very interested to find out your thoughts. Remember, you can send your WhatsApps to 0614104107. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back. Closet Conversations. We are having a very interesting uh, conversation with our guests, uh, Dr. Zulu Matabo Zulu and Apostle Julius Muloy. Uh, we are asking, what is the perfect or appropriate age uh, for you to start talking to your children about spirituality and also giving them the, the, the free, um, you know, reign to decide for themselves what part they take? And uh, before the break, Apostle Julius's opening comments, uh, Apostle Julius Muloy was saying that uh, according to scripture from the Bible, Christian faith, parents and guardians' responsibility is to um, shape the spirituality of their children, teach them in the ways that they will not forget and depart from. Um, and uh, in other words, not much choice for the child because once you've been taught this, you need to stick to it. On the other hand, Dr. Zulu Matabo Zulu was saying that African spirituality, we do the right things. We don't traumatize the children, don't show them blood, but we do all the spiritual rights for them. And because spirituality is, is, is of such a nature that you don't superimpose. It's two varying opinions, and I think it's very interesting. Now, now, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm coming back to you, Apostle Muloy. Um, and Apostle Muloy, I, I hear what the scripture says. But my question will then be, what happens when the family of a child are of two different religions? So one parent is uh, perhaps uh, Islam and the other one is Christian and they come together. Who then will decide what do you teach your child in? Uh, that's, that's simple. Um, <clears throat> the father of the child determines the genealogy of the child. And as a result, that is why uh, it's common that uh, the child will take the father's surname when, when, you know, in, in that kind of a family setup. But like you're saying, in the instance where the, the both parents are there, and they live in the same house, but the religions differ. Then the the, the father's um, religion should be the, the the one that that is that is taught to the child, and they should grow like that. It's in it's in even African spirituality, African culture to say, you take the father's isbongo and all of that. So um, it should not be something that is debated. Well, some in some cases, 
uh, the mother would want to to fight for that space to say, I want to teach my child my belief or my religion. But once you go into a Christian space, the correct family order is the the father, the son, the Holy Spirit, the husband, the wife, and the children. That is the spiritual order of Christianity. And therefore, the father is the one that is the high priest of the family, and his religion is the one that prevails. But now, what if the mother and the father don't live together? They're not married, and uh, yeah, uh, who does the child get taught by according to the Christian faith? You see, in that in that instance, then that is that is a, a, a situation that is not ideal as far as the Christian faith is concerned, because the Christian faith is is a is a religion that promotes a nuclear family: the mother, the father, the baby. You know. Now, when there are other dynamics that come into play, then automatically it means that whoever that the child lives with will automatically have influence on whether the child go on Sunday or do they even go to church or they don't go to church or whatever religion that they follow based on where the child lives at that time, regardless of the wishes of the other parent. Hmm. It's a tough one to swallow, I'm sure, for the parent who's not living with the child but is an active parent, I can only imagine. Let me come to you, um, Dr. Zulu Matabo. In terms of African spirituality, right, now here we are, we've got a child who is growing up with a family that is uh, very, you know, um, um, amped in practicing African spirituality. But this child then decides, I'm because I've been visiting a particular church and now I have uh, converted. I no longer want to participate in such because I've been taught it is not good for me. Will the family be easily opened to the child saying this, especially if still a minor child? Will they be open according to African spirituality? Will they permit the child not to partake or participate in the rituals that are done in the family simply because the child has said, no, I'm no longer interested? Yeah, that, that, is, a, that is a tough one. But uh, I, I basically, if the child, for example, uh, disavows African spirituality, uh, it's not really the fault of the child. It simply means that the parents have failed uh, to present, you know, an attractive uh, African uh, spirituality. Because I just want to make an example, if I could, uh, if I could. So um, the way you know African things work is that you don't impose, you don't dictate, but you demonstrate, you live that life. You know, because. Um, for example, let's make an example, uh, you know, in, in just uh, in terms of, let's say, ma- ma- uh, people wanting to marry and stuff like that. So if, so meaning if something is, is, is well presented and is authentic, in other words, if something is good, they will want it. But if they don't want it, it means that there is a fault that the child has, has seen there. Of course, when it comes to the actual performance of rituals, yeah, you can't um, allow the child to participate, participate in the secret rituals that the child does not actually you know, follow, for example, because that, that's very, very key.
but but the bottom line being that um, it's very critical that uh, the parents must actually show this. If if they fail, then they will lose the child, of course. And maybe we should also talk about the uh, the developmental stages from an African point of view, because that will kind of help us uh, measure, you know, the the most uh, effic- uh, the most effective way where you can actually, you know, share your spirituality, so that there is there is an uptake on the side of of the child, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, okay, go ahead. I wanted to go to the lines. Um, I've got Aitima Kumalo on the line. Um, uh, Togoza, Aitima Kumalo, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. How are you, Patricia? Strong, thank you. What's your question or your comment? No, I had a question or comment. A child, I'm saying, no, a child, a child, you can't uh, uh, tell a child what to do around you. A child must must, must must let her grow up now. And then now, uh, uh, give him the line. Give him how, how, when he's growing up. And then now, we can choose for him or her. And then now, when, when he's growing up, and then he's he, he choosing for, 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 for themselves. And when they are choosing for themselves, and then now, and then you are touching here and there the line. But now, I don't think you're choosing the line for what he is doing or she's doing the line, you see. Okay. But you can't choose for them. Thank you very much, Kumalo. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Apostle Molloy. Um, you know, you have given us ideal circumstances according to uh, Christian uh, religion. But life is not ideal. We don't live under ideologies. Sometimes you do find that in a household you'll have a minor child or a child who's an adult but still living at home, um, making a decision that no, in South Africa, the church of um, Satan is, is a church that is allowed it is legal so i'm choosing to follow this although my family is christian what will the christian family do even if they've uh, adhered to the book uh, according to scripture well <clears throat> you see all of those those issues are very circumstantial and all of them must be dealt with as they come depending on variables you know but to be more entertaining to your question um, it, it is very important for the, the Christian family not to compromise their Christian beliefs, their Christian practices, uh, trying to accommodate. Because, you see, we can never be influenced by secularism. And I know that secularism tries to encroach onto the religious space to try and dictate to us, to say, no, children have got the right to be whatever they want to be. Correct, yes. But the family uh, setup should not make an attempt to compromise their beliefs and their devotion to God just because now there is this child who believes in Satanism, which is a very real thing that could happen, you know. But as to what the Bible dictates to say, what do you do in that circumstance? You seek the, seek the scriptures, you agree as a family, say, this is what we should do, we should pray for this child, 
or we should um, uh, try to engage with the child. But if the child says, uh, I don't want to be part of whatever you guys are doing, I want to stand on my own, and they want to disown the family, it's fine. But if we go to the house, 6 o'clock is the time of prayer, 6 o'clock we will pray. And if you come into the house, you will pray with us. If you don't want to pray with us, go stand outside. Depending on, on But that sounds a bit abusive. Go stand outside. It's raining, it's cold, it's dark. Well, I mean, I that mean, sounds that's wrong, what, though. You might say, yeah, you know, democracy is there, but if this is my home and I've chosen what I've chosen, I must stand outside because the entire family is praying to a religion that they believe in and I choose not to believe in as a child? I might have said, maybe it, it might have been an extreme statement. Maybe go to the other room of whatever, where you will be, where you feel we are not irritating you with our prayers. You get my point? Because mm-hmm. I'm speaking as a father, okay? okay. And in, in my house, we believe in Jesus Christ, the, the, the blood of Jesus, and all of that. And we are going to pray the way we should be praying. Now, if somebody comes and says, um, your prayer irritates me, or it's against my religion, or whatever the case may be, we say, okay, fine, do whatever that you should do on your side to not be disturbed by what we are doing. But since I'm the head of this house, and I'm the family, I'm, I'm the head of the family, then what's going to prevail is what is. Uh, what I'm directing in the house and as to what you do with it, that's your own problem. Hmm. Yeah, and then uh, Dr. Zulu Matabum, should a child say, Kamina, you guys can you know, Badimu, I'm not going to partake, I won't be home during those ceremonies. And I'm here talking about a 17-year-old, you know, not yet yeah. adult, but still a child. And they are blatantly saying, no, I'm not going to be involved in this. Will they be told, don't come back home? Well, 17, it means legally they are not an adult, but they are one one year away from being an adult. So I suppose the conversation that has to uh, go on with the child is that, is to say to them that, you know, if they are going to become, you know, a, a, let's say a toxic influence, because you know, there are brothers and sisters there, so they are more likely to be influenced by the 17-year-old. So uh, I think when they turn 18, then they should really uh, vacate the house because, you know, they are becoming toxic really in terms of our rituals. They, we are not free now to to practice our rituals because, you know, this child has become toxic. And there are there are situations like that that I have, I have seen, for example. But if we're saying the child must then, you know, vacate at 18 because they are toxic, this child might not be, you know, saying don't practice. They just don't want to be part of the practices. They don't want to do these rituals. Um, And maybe at 18, they're not financially buoyant enough to be able to look after themselves or might still be in high school. Yeah, that's right. So uh, the parents also, that means they they didn't do their, their homework, meaning, you know, when you have a child, definitely you have to have savings of, for, for the child so that when they reach 18, then there is some kind of an inheritance that they get and then they can easily launch their life that way. So if the child reaches 18, and then there's nothing, there's no endowment for them because the parents didn't save. So that is a fault of the parents, of course. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and you are correct. If they are going to say the child must vacate at 18 
and the child is not buoyant yet, then definitely uh, the, uh, the the parents have destroyed the life of that child. Okay, let's go to and it a voice right, yeah, sure. Let, let's go to a voice note. If a child chooses to follow a satanic church and maybe parents are Christians, remember there is the great I am that is the creator of heaven and earth. So if parents are truly following the creator of heaven and earth and they believe in him and trust him, for the transformation of themselves and of the children, the Spirit of the Almighty will do His work. Our battle is not against the flesh and blood or against the stubbornness or the softness, but God knows how to fight for us when we believe. So some questions cannot be answered verbally but the spirit can. Yeah, that one sounds very uh, Christian, so I'm going to allow Pastor Molloy to comment on it. Yeah, but the, the point of the matter is, um, <clears throat> the Bible, I want to repeat this, it says, train up a child in a way that he should go. You know, and training, when you, when, you, when you go and look at the word training, you'll find out that it's a very systematic process that is ongoing and, and continuous. Now, let's say in the worst case scenario that you're presenting to say, now the child is still rebellious and they want to do their own thing. Um, I want to repeat this. It should not be that secularism wants to encroach on uh, the right to religious freedom, even in the household situation, whereby now the the the, the alleged rights of a of a child take take uh, prevalence over the religious beliefs of of the household. And for me, if you do a proper job of training up a child in a way that he should go, definitely the scripture promises us that. He will not depart from it when he is older. And we know that there are influences that come from all sources that will want to, you know, uh, be on the child and what have you. But the fact that this person is a child, is a dependent, is a minor, that already tells you that you as a parent, you still have a full responsibility. As much as you have a responsibility to make them fair, to give them shelter, you have a responsibility to shape what they believe, how they are thinking, because from day one, you choose what they're going to wear. Otherwise, all children will just eat sweets all the time. They are, they are, you know, we should not be biased as far as how we apply this principle, because there are these people that came, the new trend of Generation X or Gender X, to say, no, you can't decide the gender of a child. You must just let them be Gender X until they are old enough to decide the gender for themselves. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard because at the ultimate end, you as a parent, you decide the school that the child is going to go. You decide the veggies that they're going to eat. You make so many decisions. But when it comes to religion and and, and sexuality, then some people come and say, no, 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 you must stay away from that part. You get my point. But what about what you cook in the pot? Did the child say they want to eat that? 
And if they want to eat sweets and yogurts the whole day, is that what is good for the child? Though it is their choice. You see, we cannot want to take things that sound sweet in our ears and that are tantalizing to our secularist mindset and want to impose it in a family situation. It is impossible and it is wrong. Okay. So here I am going back to the Bible um, scripture. In the book of First Samuel, right, uh, we hear of Eli, who was the high priest, and uh, Eli mm. had sons, right? He was, uh, uh, you know, the high priest at the gates. You know, he was, he was just the man. But his sons were defiling uh, the temple. His sons were doing wrong things. It's not that he didn't teach them. Um, so if we are saying that, you know, it's the parents' onus uh, to choose the spiritual path of the children according to the Bible, how did it happen that Eli got into trouble with God? because of his sons and him turning a blind eye on what his sons were doing, defiling the, the, the temple. You know, when God was punishing uh, the, the priest Eli, he said to him, because you have failed to discipline your children, remember that statement. God had to interfere and get involved because the father had failed. And God blatantly tells him, to, because you have failed to discipline your children, then I'm going to take them away from you. You see, that scripture should not teach us to say children can, but it shows the consequences of irresponsible parenting. And God also manifests to us that no matter how a priest you can be, you still are susceptible to failing at parenting responsibility. So it cannot be because I'm Bishop Julius Muller, automatically my children will tell the line, no, I still have as much a responsibility as any parent in the world to be focused on what kind of an upbringing am I bringing to my children. So I think what we should understand in that story is that um, no matter how, how, how spiritual or how religious you may be, you may still fail at parenting, and to God hold you 100% accountable for what happens to your children, and if you fail to take the responsibility, he will take them away from you. That is what we should be getting out of that that, that scripture. Let me go to this uh, message on WhatsApp from our ATMO. It says, as black people, we'll never understand the person's rights. What's the difference between a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old? We have to accept that children's rights and you have to advise him before he takes a decision. It will be his decision to listen. You don't have the right to conclude the child's choice um, for, uh, you know, but both of you have to reach the agreement. It will be his decision to listen. I'm coming to you, Dr. Zulu Matabo. Uh, I mean, as African people, we are being told here that we don't understand rights. So uh, do we have a round table in uh, the African spirituality and African community uh, setting where there's a round table of a discussion and exchange of thoughts between child and parent when it comes to spirituality? Or is it superimposed? I know you say it, 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 parents live by example, but... I don't remember, you know, hearing a lot of people, especially traditional families where you can literally sit down with a family, uh, your parents, and discuss and open up about these things. Yeah, we have that tradition. Uh, we call it lehotla, you know, like a, like a, a you know, inkuundla, uh, whereby uh, we can have a family lehotla where we actually meet, and then there are certain protocols that, that is used, uh, and then we discuss a burning issue at that particular point and then it is of course you know adjudicated by the collective because remember that african families 
is African family is not a nuclear system. This nuclear system is a Western concept. Our system is the is the collectivist is is the extended family. So so whenever uh, there is an issue, the sizo kuzela ibanda sisangane, and then sizo bandingoko yalendabale. You see, so we have that, and so uh, and 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 it's interesting because that kind of system. Uh, it's actually, how shall I say, it, it usually resolves issues by consensus. But coming back to the aspect that we don't understand rights, you see, that is uh, that view is a, is, is a neoliberal view because neoliberalism, neoliberalism uh, it, it, it puts a lot of emphasis on rights. It's all about rights. When we talk about rights, we are talking neoliberal ideology there. You see, so uh, it's very critical to understand that, you know, there are certain ideologies that we follow unconsciously, right? And, and therefore we forget what is our conceptualization of reality as the African uh, descendants, you know. So, for, for example, uh, the, the neoliberal ideology puts a lot of emphasis on rights, but what is rights? Rights is a set of ideas. You know, it's a value system, and it's usually a, a Western value system. But African societies, indigenous African societies, they follow, they are guided more by reality, reality of rituals, a reality of relations. In fact, relations are paramount in, a, in an African society. You can, you can, you can be eloquent in, 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 in many things you do, but if you don't have good relations with your family, with the members of the clan, you don't even know is it Tagazelo, is it Dugo, the uh, Red or the Boko, then uh, you you are actually misguided. You see, but in a Western society, uh, you are guided by by ideas in terms of this neoliberal ideology. I think it's a very important point to make. Apostle Malloy. Apostle Maloya, yeah. there's, there's a huge move of African, um, you know, young Africans uh, who are going back to their roots, if I may so put it. Uh, we see it on social media, taking up Obungoma, uh, going to uh, other traditional um, churches or Zioni, you know, or Shambe and the likes. And they didn't grow up in families like this. They grew up in Christian families. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably one of those examples of having such an experience. And from my personal experience, it was not palatable to community um, to friends in the Christian circles, um, to some family members that here I am having been such an avid Christian and now all of a sudden I have come to an understanding of African spirituality. Now all of a sudden you're an outcast. Do Christian families do this? From my experience, I've seen it from community. There were people who came to my gate and after reading an article and started swearing and cussing me and you know and, and cursing me to say you have lost faith, not understanding that spirituality is neither here nor there. But in the Christian faith, is this what is supposed to happen? And people calling people to all night prayer because the devil has gone hold of you well it's 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 bi-dimensional um because there is the physical space and within the physical space jesus christ goes to the extreme when he teaches us he says love your enemies 
and pray for those who persecute you. Now, that is an extreme responsibility. It goes to the very end, to the enemy level. Now, uh, never mind now your friend, your your brother, your sister, your family, and all of those. Those, it's not even an imaginable thing that you cannot love them, right? At a physical, natural, uh, here and now world. But now, at the same time, there is a spiritual dimension whereby there is conflict in the spiritual dimension whereby, of course, there will be disagreements in terms of belief systems, in terms of practices, and and all of those things that we do when we are in the spiritual realm. Because remember, when you take up Ubungoma, it is no longer a natural thing. It's a supernatural. So there is a new dimension that you operate in. And it is usually in that dimension where there are uh, clashes and conflicts and stuff. Therefore, a Christian it is, is, is required by Christ to know how to engage in the spiritual realm, but love the person and pull the person closer and say, we love you, yes, but here is a spirit X, Y, and Z. And whether a person at that time decides that Ubungoma is a spirit that needs to be cast out, I don't know, whether a person decides that uh, a manifestation of some sort is demon possession, I don't know. But all I know is that once you go into Ubungoma, you are a, you got a, a, a discernment of some sort. And there are people who are using umuti and all of these things to cast out spirits from other people, to say bagloyile and all of that. So we see spirits in each other. And it should not be that when a person that is operating in the traditional African way cast out spirit and say for example, then it is fine. But when a Christian comes and says, I'm casting out a demon from you, then no, 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 that, that, is, that is not acceptable. I think we have become so biased against Christianity that everything that is practiced from a Christian perspective, it is frowned upon by society. And I think that needs to be corrected because at the ultimate end, there is a difference between uh, culture beliefs and spirituality and spiritism. And once you go into those dimensions, uh, then there are other avenues that we need. We need to, a different platform to discuss that as a subject to say, but what happens within the spiritual dimension? When somebody sees the dead, for an example, is it acceptable in the African traditional practices? Is it have, uh, acceptable in the, in the, in the Christian uh, practices? In the African traditional practice, it depends on what kind of death do you see. There are deaths that are acceptable, there are deaths that are not acceptable. Ispogi and Amadros are two different things, but they're both dead, you know. But without going long into that, I'm, I'm just wanting to say, um, once we conflict in the spiritual, you can have any conflict. You can have cultural, um, I mean, uh, character clashes. There, there are different types of clashes or ty- types of conflicts that we are having. And we should not want to say, because whatever the challenge we are having, whatever the response, once it comes from a Christian perspective, then it is frowned upon. That is unfair. I'd like you to come in here, Dr. Zulu Matabo. What's your response to Apostle Muloy? Well, I think uh, point number one, uh, the, uh, the aspect about um, Christianity 
you know, uh, like he says, you know, being frowned upon. I think that that is basically has to do with the colonial baggage of Christianity because Christianity is actually what we call ECC, Euro-Christian colonialism. So it was brought in as a tool of, of conquering uh, the indigenous African people and dispossessing them of the land. In fact, I've done a research on the ownership of land by the church. It is incredible how much the church, the church owns a lot of land that was acquired via colonialism. Uh, for example, in a, in a, in a province like uh, KZN, the Roman Catholic Church owns uh, more than 16,000 hectares of land. That's about 160 million square meters of land. That's a lot of land. You see, and we're just talking about one church only in one province. So, uh, the, so there is this very strong colonial legacy. So, the people will, will not forget that. That will never be, you know, wiped out from the memory of of people from that. So, so, uh, so Apostle Molloy says uh, that needs to be corrected. I don't know how you're going to correct that if you don't actually address the fundamental questions, like, for example, of land uh, disposition. And there's another aspect where he, uh, he was talking about, uh, you know, uh, do not, uh, for example, uh, uh, you know, be, be peaceful to those people who are your enemies and who are, uh, uh, you know, persecuting you. Uh, I, I think it's important to understand the historiography of the New Testament. I happen to have a university degree in, in theology, you know, from an American Christian university, although I don't practice, you know, uh, as a pastor or anything like that. But uh, when you do the analysis of the New Testament, you need to ask the question, who wrote the New Testament? And actually, the New Testament was written by the Romans who had, uh, you know, uh, imposed a colonial a conquest over the Jews, you know, Samari, Galilee, Syria. So when they say, you know, do not, uh, you know, do not uh, fight against those that you perceive to be your enemies, they are talking about themselves because, you see, the Jews saw the Romans as the enemies and they were trying to pacify them. You see that type of situation. So I think it's, it's important to remember that, that contest. So. Any response to that, Apostle Mloy? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think, um, um, can I get uh, the doctor's name again? Dr. Zulu Matabo Zulu. Yes, Dr. Dr. Matabo Zulu, I, I think everything that he says is, uh, is fundamentally flawed and wrong. For example, um, Christianity was not designed by colonialists to op- imp- uh, oppress Africanism. That is wrong. Remember that Christianity, it was there in, 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 in the Middle East. And people believed in Jesus Christ. They had no interest in uh, uh, oppressing Africa. So as to how the, the, the colonizers took that and brought it in, you can blame anything. You can blame a ship. You can blame... There are so many tools that we use to, to colonize Africa. And you cannot single out Christianity because it was just abused by the oppressors, and then say it was actually designed for that. I think that is fundamentally flawed. Two. No, no, I, I, think, um, I think there's a problem here of history, because uh, the Bible... There's no problem of history. No, 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 uh, one at a time. Um, yeah. Maybe yes, Dr. There is Zulu, no problem of history. No, maybe uh, let's let Dr. Zulu Matabo, Apostle Molloy, let's allow Dr. Zulu Matabo to just clarify his point quickly. Clarify, yes, Dr. Zulu, and then we'll so, go back so. to Apostle uh, Molloy. 
thank you. There is a, there is the, the, the Bible that we use today, it, it came from the conference of Nicaea, that's 225 AD. This fact is an uncontested fact. You can even Google conference of Nicaea. There's even something called the Nicaean Creed. Right? That's where it was agreed that the present Bible that we use was compiled in the same way it's compiled today, and it was given to us by the Romans. All right, you've clarified so your it, point, yeah. Dr. Zulu Matabo, sure. uh, Apostle uh, and No, 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 he is, he is actually absolutely wrong. The, the Christianity was not written at the Nicene Creed. I mean, at the, at the Council of Nicaea. In, in I think he said the Bible. He did not say Christianity. He said the Bible. Yes, the Bible was not written there. He is wrong. The Nicene, the Nicene uh, Council was one of the many councils that were sitting. There were 22 councils. The first one was the Jerusalem Council. Now, let me uh, share with you a little bit about uh, uh, Christian history. The first one was the Jerusalem Council that was sitting in Antioch, right? And then the Nicene Council was the 21st council that was sitting. In 365 AD, they came out. It was the Roman Catholic Church who was sitting and discussing how to interpret the Bible according to their their beliefs. To say, as a, as a Catholic Church, what do we believe about, for example, the, one of their arguments was that, do we take Mary and say she's a saint or not? And he is correct, the, the, the doctor, when he said, they came out with a document. It was not a Bible. It was called the Nicene Creed. And it is that creed that where we get the you know the confession of the apostles we believe in the father in god the father the son the holy spirit and we believe in his holy church and and and, and. that is the document that came out of that not the bible i know that there's a fallacy that is being propagated everywhere by even people who claim to be scholars to say no at the nation council the bible was produced out of there that is pure nonsense it is rubbish and it okay. should not be attached to Christianity. All right. So our conversation was not about Christianity and where it emanated from, but our conversation was about when do we let our children choose their own spiritual paths. And it seems that there are it, 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 it seems there are varying thoughts from African spirituality and Christianity. I wish we had other religions represented uh, this evening to tell us their point of view. But from the two gentlemen who are on our panel, it's clear there is a uh, you know, huge difference between the way both take um, spirituality towards children. And one thing I can say from this conversation is that spirituality or even religion, let me mince it down to religion, is a divider. Very clear. Because children who don't choose what their parents want, according to Christianity and what Apostle Molloy has given us, will be almost ostracized from the family. And the African spirituality and Christianity are oil and water from the conversations we've just heard. But gentlemen, that's my conclusion on this conversation. I'm going to allow... Apostle Zulumatabo, um, sorry, Dr. Zulumatabo, look at me mixing you up. After all, you did study theology, uh, Makosi. <laughs> Give us your closing statements. Yes. So, so I think uh, the essence also of this conversation was about at, at what age do you speak to children about um, spiritual matters? And uh, I, I, I wanted just to, to point out that, you know, there are three stages you know, in, in, for example, in an indigenous African societies. 
usually, you know, the, um, uh, the, the stage of mothering, you know, about uh, zero to three years, uh, what they call uh, hunyanya, and then there's a, a period of hudadaisa, which is from four to seven years. It's another three-year segment. And then, and then from there, you know, there is what they call hudisa, which is the nurturing. And and I think if if these stages are kept distinct today, these stages are blurred. So you might find that the child is raised in a mothering way, you know, and and the, and and the child is not allowed to develop the potential. And 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 I think the the mixing of these stages is one of the or or the, or the neglect of these stages is one of the reasons why children will rebel against the teaching, the spiritual teaching of of their parents, you know, right. because. Can we leave it at that, uh, Dr. Zulu Matabo? Um, And uh, your closing comments, please, Apostle uh, Julius Muloy. Train up a child in a way that he should go. When he's older, he will not depart from it. And as long as a child or a person lives off of you, that determines that it is a child. The four stages of human development is you are a female, you are a girl, you are a woman, then you are a mother. It is at womanhood stage where you do self-actualization. That's where you make your own decision, the time you buy your own and provide your own shelter. Then you've got a right to do whatever you like. All right. Thank you, Apostle Julius Muloy. To both our guests, we are truly grateful for your time uh, you've graciously given to us. And I'm hoping, A-teamers, somewhat you have figured what you are going to do when it comes to raising your children, teaching them about spirituality, and also just being authentic and allowing them to be authentic to themselves. Let's uh, wrap up the show there. It's been a great pleasure having this Tuesday and now starting Wednesday with you. Welcome uh, to the 27th of July. May goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success.